Hey, Goal Getters, this is Kristen Guile, and you are about to listen to me talk with Kelly Roberts. And if you're unfamiliar with Kelly by name, you are probably familiar with her internet presence because back in 2014, she went viral thanks to a BuzzFeed article in which she took selfies for every mile of the half marathon she was trying to run. And in these selfies were what she called the hottest men of the half marathon. So she posted these selfies on BuzzFeed, made an article out of it, and it took off like wildfire. And from there, she spun that newfound internet popularity into first her own blog, and then through creating communities that she now spends her days running, including She Can and She Did, which was a platform dedicated to storytelling and redefining what strength looks like, as well as the Badass Lady Gang, which is a free fitness movement that she created to connect, support, and empower women to get active. She also unofficially is the president of the Sports Bra Squad, where she encourages women to run in just their sports bras and free themselves from the potential judgment of other people. So she has her hand in a lot of communities and running has been the thing that ties all of those communities together. So we talked about how Kelly identifies still, even after having many running accomplishments under her belt as a struggle runner and how she realized when she started her blog that All of her followers were using running to get through uh, some personal trauma or to work through personal issues. And we get into a little bit more about how Kelly has had to personally work through some family issues using running as, you know, pseudotherapy towards the end of our episode. We also talk about one of her big goals that she had in the past and how she went about finding a community once she moved to New York and what makes the Badass Lady Gang stand out and how she helps foster all of these communities um, by focusing on representation and inclusion and just creating a really warm sense of being around people who are going to support you. So enjoy this listen, and we will see you on the next episode of We Got Goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast on which the editors of asweatlife.com talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Kristen Guile, and today with me, I have Kelly Roberts. She is the creator of the fitness community, The Badass Lady Gang, and uh, the founder of She Can and She Did, which is a storytelling platform that redefines what strength looks like. She's got a couple of podcasts on her own, and she has got a lot of irons in the fire. Kelly, how are you? Tired. Though <laughs> so you were just saying before we started to record that you were uh, just finishing up a move. So I think that is something we can all relate to. <laughs> I know. Just hearing you name all that stuff back, I'm like, I should dial it back. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that's what any of us want at all. <laughs> I need a break. That is fair. We all need. We all need a good vacation or um, <laughs> even just a night in. So yeah, there's no denying the value of that. Um, <laughs> so I could obviously go through your accomplishments resume and list all of the things that you have to brag about, but I think it would be much more uh, meaningful and probably more concise coming from you. So why don't we start by sharing the story for our listeners of how most of the internet figured out who you were, and I hope you know what <laughs> I'm referring to. <laughs> I it, it's so funny. It t- always takes me a second when we start to talk about this because I I forget that, that <laughs> happened. But it just feels like 
forever ago, but uh, I went viral for taking selfies with Hawkeyes behind me while I tried to survive a half marathon I didn't train for. <laughs> and my sister came up with the idea to make it a BuzzFeed article because she thought, she thought it was so funny. And this was back when Obama was president and we had slow news weeks. Oh my Black, gosh, those Black days. Those days. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it went viral. And uh, I started a blog. I, I really wanted to create well, I really didn't want to start a blog, to be honest. And uh, my sister and a couple other people really were like, you need to do this. And if you don't like it, you can always delete it, but just try it. And I ended up loving it. I really wanted to create a space uh, for people like me, like struggle runners, people who felt like they were running for their lives, but weren't very good at it or had never been athletic before. So it was very like I poked, I made fun of myself a lot. I made fun of running a lot. And the fact that we pay so much money to run distance is that you like wouldn't drive to get ice cream during your period. <laughs> you know? like, and it slowly evolved into what is now She Can and She Did. It's a storytelling platform where people share their stories about why they run and you know why redefining what strength looks and feels like is important to them, which has been really fun and rewarding. And you you call yourself a struggle runner, and that's a, a great phrase. And you, I read on your website that you would have considered yourself the president of the I Hate Running Club. What <laughs> what gave you that light bulb moment, or is it still a struggle for you to get up and lace up those those running shoes? Or how did you transition into identifying yourself as a runner? Oh, I still struggle. I I'm just not a good runner. I I I, I truly believe that there are things that we are like born intrinsically good at. Like I love cycling. I've never cycled outside, but I can indoor cycle and and like you know it's. Go- I bet if I were to have found that earlier on, like I would have an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there are ways of finding fitness, you know, and and other things too. Like we all know what we're good at that we're just like innately good at. Running's not one of them for me. I mean, I've been running for five years now, and you know, I I I think I've have some pretty impressive accomplishments, and I've worked my ass off, but. Like it is, it still feels just as hard as it did that first day. Like it, it feels like an insurmountable hill, not even a hill, like Mount Everest every single day. Yeah. Like, there are days where I have like a 45 minute recovery run and I will find myself like two miles in like heart rate 190 being like, what, what is happening right now? Who, why do I do this? And I'll look up and be like, whoever's up there, you have a funny way of showing, you know, giving us purpose. But I I think that's also why I love running so much. Yeah. Explain more about that because you sound like you'd be happy if you never ran another day in your life, but obviously that's, that's not true. It must have some intrinsic meaning to you. Yeah. I mean, I've taken really big breaks before, uh, when I've gotten hurt and, uh, I, for a really long time, probably only did the things that I was really good at. And I definitely suffer from perfectionism and if I if I wasn't going to be the best or if I knew I was going to struggle a little bit I wouldn't do something I would just like shut it down or run you know and like excuse 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 my way out of something just I, I think a lot of it was ego and I think a lot a lot of it also was I mean we all know what we're good at and it's on, it's fun to be the best you know it's it makes you feel good about yourself and you feel like you're in control and that's not how life works. And you can find like incredible meaning and, you know, get so much 
out of things that just like truly are an uphill battle the entire way and will never get easier. And that's kind of what running has become for me, like a constant way to remind myself that just because something is hard or feels impossible doesn't mean that you shouldn't give it like everything you have for a while and see what happens. Well, that ties right into one of the questions that we ask everybody who comes on our podcast. Um, We'd love to know what's a goal that you've had in the past and why was it important to you and how did you get there? And it doesn't have to be running specific. It can be absolutely anything, even surviving a recent move. (laughs) I'm not out of the woods yet. I still have to get my bed (laughs) together. So check back in next week if I'm still alive. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh. Oh, that brings a whole nother wave of anxiety. I think moving to New York City was probably the biggest goal. No, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. Not just moving to New York City, but staying here for as long as I have has easily been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The city is easily the loneliest and hardest place in the world. And you're just surrounded by so many incredible people who are just fighting like hell to make whatever it is that they want happen in reality. And I mean, I'm in a, I am in a market that is saturated and it's incredibly difficult to be like a professional struggle runner. You know, I sit down at a table with Olympians, you know, that's, that was my reality. So like carving a niche for myself and then figuring out a way to confidently sit at the table after I had to like make room for myself was incredibly difficult, which I mean, I know this move was hard, but the fact that I can live in New York City and do what I do is pretty incredible and difficult. I'm going to triple underline difficult. (laughs) Triple underline. (laughs) I, I can imagine, especially moving to New York, not only are you trying to find your niche in the work world, but also in like your friends and the people that you obviously see socially and your coworkers what were your first steps to finding your own community in New York once you moved and stayed there? It was really hard because I got my undergraduate degree in theater and like the artsy theater world was always my community and my rock and my like saving grace. And I kind of panicked after I graduated from college and I I walked away from it. I haven't, I haven't done theater since I graduated from college. Like I haven't been in a production or picked up a piece of text since then. And, uh, I really didn't know who I was and how to make friends and what that looked like, because I always had a friend group built in, you know, like your ensemble kind of immediately just becomes not friends, but family. And I, I had my sister when I moved to New York city, but, and we had a friend group who are still my friends and I love them, but I didn't have that passion that united my group of friends. Normally, like what brought us all together was like this like strong desire to discuss exciting things and like push each other and support each other. And we were all just like very involved and invested in one another. And I didn't have that and I didn't know where to find it. And when I moved here, I like I didn't consider myself a runner. Like I wouldn't be caught dead calling myself a runner to anyone or a marathoner, even though I was. So it took me like probably a year after I went viral to like get the courage to start, you know, working out with people. And I found my, my community in November project, which is another free fitness community movement that is truly incredible. They're in, I want to say like 50, 40 cities around the world. Yeah, that sounds right. But 
that's kind of where I found my people. And even then, like I went for the first time in, in July of 2014 and didn't go back until September. And I didn't talk to anybody until that December, even oh though I was gosh. going regularly, I would show up after the bounce, so that I didn't want to have to talk to anybody, work out, talk to a few people like here and there when I had to, and just bolt. Like I was too afraid to talk to anybody. I'm pretty shy. Yeah. And it like things like that really like pushed me outside of my comfort zone. And it took me a really long time to meet anyone. And even then, like I went west for winter. So like I started meeting people and then was like, okay, bye. <laughs> you guys in April. I hope you remember me. Yeah. But and then the same thing happened with November Project LA. Like I went for months and didn't talk to anybody. And then at the end, made friends <laughs> and then was like, okay, I'm going back to, to New York. See you later. <laughs> so it was hard to find my group. But once I finally gave myself permission to feel like I belonged, I just, all that weird, you know, limitations that I was putting on myself and those weight that was on my shoulder and those anxieties, like they dissipated. I think now would be a good time for us to sort of give our listeners a rundown of all those communities that you have built. Um, So can you give us a quick synopsis of She Can and She Did and the Badass Lady Gang and the Sports Bra Squad and anything else that I am forgetting? (laughs) Yeah, that's the, that's most of them. I (laughs) I pretty early on started seeing a, a group of of women mostly start to like find each other online who read my my blog and listened to my podcast because they all felt like struggle runners like me or runner like unlikely runners who just like never saw themselves represented and the fact that it never got easier and you know they would they they didn't identify with elite athletes and they like could not relate to them they didn't love it enough. Like they, they just like weren't invested. They ran three miles after work here and there, or, you know, like they ran a half marathon or they were working for a half marathon, but like running wasn't their life. It was kind of the thing getting them through something traumatic or difficult or like a weird point in their lives where they just like, they were in a rabbit hole and they couldn't figure out which way was up, down or forward. And I was watching it happen and I mean, as this was happening, I'm finding huge purpose and and belonging in you know November Project. So I started cultivating it online and bringing people together and putting them in a Facebook group. And the more I read about you know like the loneliness epidemic that's happening in not just our country but our world, the more I related because I I felt so alone for like two years, even though I had so many friends, but I I really didn't feel like. There, I had those people anymore who, you, I mean, you know, when you find some, your, your person or your three people who just like, if you killed someone, they're the people you would call because they wouldn't judge you. They would just help, you know? Yeah, yeah of course. They're the people you call when shit hits the fan. I didn't have those people and I didn't know where to find them. I didn't want to have to like pay to have to be in a class to take like an acting class to like, like the idea of like paying to find my friends always felt weird to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to find a way because most of the people who followed me, like I think a lot of them also were socially anxious or were just incredibly busy. Maybe they worked crazy hours. Maybe they were moms who had kids and didn't mesh with the other like stroller runners or like the moms around them. Like they just felt super alone. And I mean, I, I, ever since launching the badass lady gang, which is my, my free fitness community, I just, I sit on so many, I mean, I've probably sat on 150 calls with prospective leaders and at least 80% of them have all said the same thing that they're, they just like, don't feel like there's a place for them and they don't have a group. And they're just like, 
they need, they feel compelled to build a community that they want to be a part of and that they would feel proud to be a part of. We're, I mean, I really feel like we're in this loneliness epidemic and these smartphones are just pushing us all away from each other, even though they connect us. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. You just mentioned that a lot of the potential leaders you talked to said that they wanted to build a community because they couldn't find one for them. And I think one of the things that really stands out when I'm looking over your website and your social media and your your community's presence is that representation and inclusion are super important to you. Um, how do you make sure that everyone in these communities feels included right off the bat? It's very hard and I wouldn't say I'm doing the best job at it. I think that right there is a code that no one has cracked yet. I think a lot of people are doing well and making strides, but I, I think, I mean, look around, we're at a huge reckoning point with like trying to figure out what inclusion means mm -hmm. and how to make room for everyone and how to make sure everyone feels heard and seen and not just feels like is, you know, no one's marginalized, whether it's size, race, age, like economic background, everything, religion. We're at a huge point in our, in our culture where like everything is, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a more important time to be honest. So I wouldn't say I'm doing the best job, but I do think it's important to me. It's, it's difficult because at the end of the day, all my leaders are volunteers, you know, everyone's volunteering their time to grow these communities and to show up for their communities and to create a space for their communities. But on top of that, they work full-time jobs. A lot of them are moms. A lot of them, you know, have stuff going on in their own lives. Like we've had, you know, like what happens when their partner dies or when a parent dies and, you know, everything happens. How do you continue to show up to you for your community and make sure that you're being inclusive and welcoming and growing and all those things? So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not perfect and everyone's learning. I think the most important like piece of the puzzle is that everyone's heart is in the right place. I think the intentions are there and everyone's open to changing and becoming even more inclusive. How do most people find their way to the badass lady gang? Like what, what makes them show up for the first time? And then after that, what keeps them coming back for more? We're a little bit different because, uh, I, I, I mean, I would, I would definitely call us like a running crew, but it truly is a come as you are community where you could be an Olympic trials qualifier for running, or you could be on day one of a fitness journey and you've never moved in your life. And both of you will get like a really fun workout. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is leaving, you know, feeling like I'm not gonna be able to walk tomorrow. I always say community first, a really fun workout second. But no one's ever going to get dropped because we're never outside of yelling range from each other. And all the workouts are created in a way that, that you're, you're always with someone and, and connection is like imperative and, and necessary. And we force, you know, everyone to support one another. And I don't, I don't say force in a way that's like people don't want to be doing that. But when you're really shy or when you're unsure of yourself or you don't feel like if it's your first time at a workout, you know, and you've tried four other running groups where you got dropped every time, like you're, you're so insecure. It's so oh, it's, hard. It's to one of the worst up. feelings in the world when, when that happens. 
Yeah. So like making like we're we're kind of like giving you our hand and being like, come join us in the deep end. Like this, we know it's scary, but we have you and like here's ways for you to like start taking strides. You know, we we want you to be successful here and just trust us. You know, it's like it's like a constant trust fall. But I think that's what people come back for is they kind of see like, oh, I can walk the whole thing and no one's going to be like, why aren't you working harder? Or I could sprint the whole thing and like end up on the ground and people are going to be like, you go girl, you know, like it, yeah. it is what you make of it. We give you the tools and we really don't care what you do with them. You could play play them like drumsticks or you could build something like we just truly don't care. We just, we're just happy everyone's showing up and connecting. Yeah. I want to switch back a little bit to talking more about She Can and She Did, which you call a storytelling platform that helps Mm -hmm. redefine what strength looks like. Um, How did that build from your blog and what does it look like right now? My blog, for a long time, it felt like I just threw everything at the wall trying to figure out what I was doing and what what I was trying to say which is hard. Like, I feel like I made some of my biggest mistakes online <laughs> in front of an audience. Oh God. It, yeah. It was, it was a wild time, like a wild time, which is why I didn't really want to have a blog in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad I did though, because I, I don't think I would be as resilient or as accepting of who I am now had I not have like forced myself through that. But, uh, I, it really all started with my first kind of initiative, which was the sports bra squad. Yeah. Explain what that is. Yeah. The sports bra squad is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's the very simple act of being active in your sports bra. I think, uh, for so long, so many of us have been shown the image of what strength looks like from the media in other athletes who just like don't have our body type or who like work out eight times harder than us. I mean, I can tell you right now, I run a lot and I work out a lot. It is my job to do this. And I, I am not, I don't look anything like elite athletes and like my body will break if I run over a hundred miles in a week. Like I can't even run over 60 miles in a week without hurting something. Sure. So for people to compare themselves to bodies that like truly are machines and like these incredible athletes, like and what, why, why are we comparing ourselves? I mean, like, I remember Jennifer Lawrence being super vocal about this too, being like, I pay someone to create all my meals to train me. And like every, the, my entire body costs thousands and thousands of dollars. This is obviously I work hard, but like, I don't do this on my own. Right. I have to look, I feel like I have to look like this. I have studio heads telling me that I have to look like this. And I spend a lot of money investing in this. And then we all look at that and say, Oh, that's what we should aspire to look to look at. Right. When that's not reality. You know, that's not our lives. We all have jobs and, and lives and it's not our it's not our jobs to, you know, be skinny. And I don't want to say skinny because I feel like skinny is a body type, which no one should be ashamed of their body type. It's just one out of hundreds of body types. But it drove me insane that that at a point in my life where I was working the hardest I'd ever worked and eating the healthiest that I still looked the same way and I still felt insecure and I hated myself. And I just like felt like if I ever ran in my sports bra that someone would call me fat or make a comment about me. And especially here in New York city, you know, like we, we live on top of each other and you're never alone, you know? Right. So for me to run in my sports bra and pass easily 2000 people on a 15 mile long run, like that's 15, you know what? 
thousands of chances for someone to call me fat, which was my worst fear is that someone would affirm the horrible things that I was saying to myself. Right. And it was a really hot day. And so I did it and I like posted about it online and just immediately saw the comments blow up and had that moment of like, oh, of course everyone feels this way. We're women who have been sold the same body type and forever and been told that that's our beauty standard. Duh. Of course people relate or, you know, feel the same way that they could never run in their sports bra. And it started kind of as a happenstance and kind of immediately became a, just do it once. I challenge you to try this and see what happens. And if anything, pay attention to what you say to yourself, because the truth of the matter is people comment on our bodies. They feel like they have permission to, I don't know why it is what we do. You know, like people constantly feel like they get to have an opinion on your shape, on your size, on anything, you know, it's, it's so odd, but if you have a rock solid belief in yourself and if you are capable of looking in the mirror and speaking audibly the text, yeah, this is what strength looks like. I guarantee you, you will not give a single fuck what anyone else says to you. I love that. I think we should all aspire to give less fucks. So I I appreciate that. (laughs) It's like, I, I don't know why we give all of our power to other people and let other people define who we are. You know, like I I spent so much of my life living like convinced that people thought the horrible things that I thought about myself. And I never once thought to work on the way I talked to myself. I just tried to control what other people knew or thought about me. And then, I mean, it was, I can tell you, it was a lot harder to change the way I felt about myself than it was to try to convince other people to feel a certain way about Mm me. It took a really long time, years of therapy. Yeah. But I am at a place now where, where like, I've never, I've, I never thought it would be possible for me to look at a picture of myself and be like, oh, I look so beautiful. And it's not a vain thing. You're not loving the image of yourself. You're loving yourself. Right. It's very different. Well, and speaking of looking at an image of yourself, you, you filmed a Nike ad. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> tell, me, tell me what that experience was like from like finding out that you even had that opportunity to filming it to seeing it air. And, you know, watching yourself in that scenario. I actually didn't know what we were doing until like the week of, which is so funny. They just surprised it. <laughs> I, well, I, that's, that's right. <laughs> have, no, seriously, that's how this industry works. Like yeah, I, I'm familiar. <laughs> you just, you never know what's happening. You're just constantly like, yep. Okay. We're doing this. Uh, I partnered with, I've been with Nike for almost a year now. They, I signed up to do with them to do Project Moonshot, which is a program that they have here in New York City that they train, I think it was like 250, 250 athletes to like run their impossible during a marathon. Maybe it's like their first marathon or break four hours or qualify for the Olympics, BQ, whatever. And uh, so that's what I, we were partnering to do. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to be a part of, you know, like make a video. And I was like, of course, why not? That sounds awesome. And Vice was producing it. And so I was like, that's odd. And then (laughs) we sat on a call and I like told my story like I normally do. And then like a week later, the producer called me and was like, I get the feeling that you don't know what we're doing. And I was like, (laughs) and he was like, what's moonshot? And I was like, I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And he's like, it's the like 20th or 25th anniversary of just do it. So we're shooting a just do it commercial. And I'm like, Oh, 
okay, maybe I don't read my email very thoroughly. (laughs) Sounds good. See you Monday. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But it was scary. I mean, I can't, even though I have this, like, even though I am where I am and have this like pretty strong sense of self and, you know, I, I do feel like I'm strong and beautiful. Like every time I have to do a shoot, it's so funny to watch how quickly I start to go like, Oh shit, how do I drop 10 pounds as quickly as possible? Every time without fail, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And you, you have that moment of being like, Oh my God, (laughs) what? Who are you? Who is this person? And why do you feel like you need to lose weight? Right. It's very interesting how, you know, I mean, it still happens, but it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. It was easily like the craziest shoot I've ever been on. Like very Nike. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a watch party or anything when it aired? No, I didn't. I don't even remember what happened when it aired. No, I, I, it happened really fast and they like pumped yeah. it out in like easily in a month. I think I've watched it by myself and just kind of like covered my eyes for the whole thing and heard it. Yep. No, that sounds that's cool. And then I think I watched it on mute. <laughs> so you're like and, easing your way in the baby steps. Yeah. And then I sent it to my sister who always makes me feel amazing. And she was like, this is amazing. And then posted it. When we're talking about the she can and she did stories that you've collected, are there any that have stood out to you? I think they're all pretty, like, they kind of take your breath away. Really? Yeah, they're, I have such a style of how I write. And I mean, I pumped out thousands of pieces of content as quickly as humanly possible that I sometimes forget that we all have these like beautiful ways of communicating. So getting the chance and I'm like, I edit most of them. So getting the chance to like read them all thoroughly and like go back and reread it. People have such a beautiful way of telling their stories. And so many of them are rooted in pain. Yeah. And it's like, I, it takes your breath away watching people find purpose in so much you know, hardship. And for so many of them, like you would just be like, how does running connect? But it truly is the act of putting one foot in front of the other. And all of them, like some of them, there've been like poems and for a while we, we still have it, but there was a little like focus that we did for a while that was unlikely runners. So we just encouraged people to share their unlikely runner story. Like I am an unlikely runner. And those really stood out to me as people kind of like reclaiming their space in the, in this industry where like running fast and running far are kind of like the pillars of being impressive or deserving of voice and being heard. And these people who to so many would, would be people who don't deserve, like <laughs> they're not impressive, you know, mm-hmm. having, people, yeah, they're recreational. Yeah. Share their story and, and talk about how incredible they are. Like I, I just, those are my favorite stories when people like celebrate what they've accomplished without apologizing, which is yeah, when they get to brag on themselves. Yeah. Which we don't do. <laughs> yeah. I've been subtly trying to brag on myself a little bit more. So it's, really it, hard. It, it's hard, but then I feel like once you do it once or twice and you start to see the positive reactions, then you become a little more like, Oh, I can do this. And like, it comes off perfectly fine because 
it, you know, if a guy bragged on himself, no one would think twice, but I think women have a little bit of a harder time. Um, totally. I think it comes little, back to that whole, like loving yourself versus loving the image of yourself, you know, like what yeah. you're celebrating is rooted in truth and work. It's not like you didn't cheat and lie and it's not something that doesn't deserve, you know, praise and right. to brag about. And we just don't do it enough. Right. One thing that I'm sure you get asked a lot, or maybe not, maybe this is the first time ever. Who am I to say? Um, but I think a lot of people think of running as a completely solo sport, but here you are building community after community around this supposedly solo sport. So what, what would you say to someone who's like, well, running is something that I really only do by myself and I don't like to run with a group. I think it's kind of, it is what you make of it. And just because you run with people doesn't mean that you can't run with yourself anymore. I do both. And I find great purpose in both. Like sometimes I do genuinely want to run by myself. Like if I'm having, I mean, my brother passed away and if I'm having like an incredibly tough day, I've, I sometimes have a hard time crying in front of people or just mm -hmm. grieving in front of people. And I mean, again, I live in New York city where you're on top of each other. I, it's so easy for me to put on sunglasses and put music in and just like go like ball my eyeballs out on a run. And like, granted, I probably walk most of it because running and crying is really hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I love those runs and I love running with other friends. And I mean, the badass lady gang really started because I found myself running with these incredible women who I just called like, you like, I was just like, you're so badass. You're so badass. Like <laughs> if I could keep up with you and I'm like, well, we are a badass lady gang. That's kind of how it started. I, there's nothing more fun than having a very like healthy way to hang out with people. We all don't have enough time in the day and, I, it always drove me kind of crazy that the only way to hang out with people would be to like go to a bar. Mm -hmm. Like that's such a big way that like coworkers hang out is they go to happy hour. And like, I, I drink, I don't mind drinking. I don't drink very often, but I, I, I don't like bars and I don't like drinking like heavily and watching people binge drink. I mean, my brother passed away from alcohol poisoning. So I have, a, I just have a hard time being around that atmosphere so yeah, for me to be able to hang out with people, if I know I only have an hour and I want to run, like being able to kill two birds with one stone and do something active and catch up with someone who's maybe in town or someone who I've never met before, but like really want to meet and we both can go for a run. Like that to me is so important in my life and it gives me so much purpose. Well, what you're saying has really hit on stuff that we have seen at a sweatlife.com as well. We just finished our big uh, state of fitness survey. Uh, and so we had survey results from the past three years and we could analyze the trends and report on them. And one of the biggest things we found is that people are working out with friends more than ever before. And wellness is becoming one of those third spaces uh, where people spend their time when they're not at home or at work. And, you know, it sounds like you and the Badass Lady Gang are really creating another option for one of those spaces where people can be social and do something that makes them feel good about themselves, like physically and mentally. Totally. And making it accessible. Like I love flywheel, which is this like spin class. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a convert for sure. The greatest. Yeah. But it's like $40 a class. Oh, that's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. I don't live in a world where I can go to flywheel once a week. I don't live in a world where I should probably be going to flywheel once a month. Yeah. You know, like I, I have it like, college loans. And like, I, I live in New York. Like right. I, I can't 
pay, it's the same reason I think also why I don't like bars. Like I don't want to pay a hundred dollars to go hang out with my friends. I just want to hang out with my friends. Right. So getting active in ways that are free is so important because otherwise like you're spending $40 a week to hang out with your friends. Right. Which is just ridiculous. Right. Well, let's uh, circle back around. I want to hear what is one big goal that you are working on for the future and why it's important to you and what steps you're taking to achieve it. I have a lot of goals for this year. Awesome. Let's hear like the top 10. I'm kidding, but but a couple is fine. (laughs) Actually being more social is one of my goals. I have had my head down working my ass off for five years. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just have been really selfish and I think I swung too far with just like fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if I don't, it's not even if I work, you know, I, I, if I don't work, I don't make money. It's if I don't, you know, like make my own opportunities, <laughs> I don't make money. Right. So for me getting things done and figuring out how to make my next paycheck has just been like my life. And so I haven't hung out. And I think too, like I also discovered how much fun it is after a long day to like go to bed at nine. Um, bed is the best. It is currently yeah. my favorite vacation spot. Truly. I, but I think I'm probably too good at getting enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like work and sleep are my two priorities and then running. So I think finding more time to like, for me, theater and, and arts is still something that I, I'm so passionate about and that I love so much. I mean, I think that's where my heart is. Well, my heart's in storytelling, mm-hmm. which I'm doing, and I'm so grateful that I get to do that. But I've been taking, uh, there's this, it's called Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, yeah. And, that's awesome. Yeah. So I took like an improv class and I took a sketch writing class and I'm like so terrible and it's so scary. It's like really the scariest thing in the world. I'm such a bad improviser. I've always been a terrible improviser. But I'm like really forcing myself outside of my comfort zone to, to to do at least like one thing a quarter in that world of, you know, like me, I think next I'm going to take an acting class, which scares the crap out of me because I haven't done it in so long. And being bad at it is something that I'm not used to. Right. I did it for 15 years, <laughs> you know, like I ate, so I studied with Steppenwolf Theater Company and like I had, I just spent so long doing it that like, of course I was good at it. It's because it's what I did 24 hours a day, seven days a week for like 15 years, but I'm coming off a six year hiatus. So I'm not going to be used to being not very good at it. So that's going to be very humbling and scary, but I really want to do it and just like reconnect with that world. So that's a goal of mine. I've been on a quest to qualify for Boston for three years now. Oh my gosh. Congratulations on even starting that quest. That is really impressive. What's funny is like when it started, I truly thought I would quit on it. And it would be like, a, this is why running for fun is so much better than running for time. Yeah. And then I, I kind of surprised myself with how much I loved the terror of it all. <laughs> I feel like this is a recurring theme. Like you seem oddly comfortable with doing things that you are either bad at or that scare you. And like, yeah. You seem to have a real talent for like talking yourself into those situations when most people would be looking for the first excuse out. Well, I think like at times in my life where I got too comfortable at something, it's those have been the hardest times in my life, like re re talking myself back out. Like this is how I act actually honestly feel like it is. It's kind of like jumping in a pool. 
mm-hmm. you can like dip your toe in and convince yourself not to get in because it's too cold and you don't want to get wet and your you know your hair is done or you can like get in the pool with your with like your two feet and then you go to like your calves and like you waste five minutes or you can just get in and for me like I'm too good at talking myself out of getting in the pool even though I know I'm gonna have a great time in the pool right so I like just it's like ripping the band-aid off like I just have to do it I I'm too good at bullshitting at myself and convincing myself that something's not worth my time especially when I know it's gonna be really really hard or there's like a high probability of me failing and I, it's one of those things that like, I promised myself that if I ever told myself like something was impossible, like I just had to try and just see what happens because I spent, I think I spent like close to a year just like in a paralyzed pause and it was easily the hardest time in my life that I have ever survived. And running helped you get out of it. Yeah. I think it just showed me that like, just because something is infinitely harder than like doing something that is comfortable, it doesn't mean that you can't get better or, or like learn to love it or not even learn to love it because I think it's just learning the language, you know? Yeah. I I don't think, I don't, I don't think running is easy for everybody, but I do think it comes easier for people. But just because it doesn't come easily to you doesn't mean that it's not something that can like truly change your life. Because at the end of the day, for like most of my life, I, I only worked out because I thought I needed to lose weight or because I felt like it was something that I needed to do. And I hated every second of it. And I have like, you know, after my brother passed away, I gained over 75 pounds. So like I went to the gym because I had to, I had to lose that weight and it was horrible. I hated it. I'd never loved it. And then after I lost the weight, I, it became an obsessive thing where I had severe body dysmorphia and I lived in constant fear that I would gain weight back. So I would go to the gym twice a day and obsess over it. And running kind of was the thing that helped me like take back control over my health and learn like, no, this body that you're in is the strongest body and you can always get stronger, but you don't need to obsess over it. You don't need to hate it. You just need a goal that excites you and makes it worth your while. And it has to do nothing with weight loss. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners will be really touched by hearing that personal side of your story. And Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the We Got Goals podcast today to talk about community and your goals and how they all intersect. Where can people find you on the internet? How can they get involved with all of your various communities and platforms? If they're looking to join the Badass Lady Gang or even give it a try, uh, they can go to badassladygang.com. That kind of lives separately in its own world. And then the social handles are obviously Badass Lady Gang. And each individual city has its own Instagram handles. But you can find all that on badassladygang.com. And then I am on Instagram at Kelly KK Roberts. And then uh, shecanandshedid.com is my blog, website, storytelling platform, whatever you want to call it. And I think I'd be remiss if I left without getting a sports bra recommendation from the official leader of the sports bra squad. So what sports bras are you liking right now? Well, I'm a double D. So what works for me isn't going to work for like, <laughs> we're going to have very different girls. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, I mean, like we, last year on Shannon and she did, we did a, a call out for, you know, like I just asked everyone to submit their favorite bras and then show pictures of them wearing it. Because if you're an F or a G, 
you are never seeing a model wear your sports bra. So obviously like you have huge trust issues. Like I have trust issues. If I don't see someone with boobs, like modeling the sports bra, I'm not buying your sports bra. Yeah. That's a great point. All goes back to that representation. Oh, it drives me insane. I'm like, <laughs> how am I supposed to, to, that girl doesn't have boobs. Like, <laughs> oh, sports bras are like another thing that I'm like, just want to stab people over the fact that they're so expensive. Like it's such a barrier for entry into any physical activity. But I love Nike's, mo- I think it's called Emotion Adapt. They're, that's my favorite sports bra right now. But there, I mean, we, that list was really helpful for women to see that like the shape of what it looks like and how it actually fits. And then people like listed what they loved and didn't love. That was important to me too, that people like do both because not every sports bra is perfect. There's no such thing as the perfect sports bra. Not yet. Anyway. I don't think it'll ever come. (laughs) Well, we'll link to that post in the show notes so that our readers and future struggle runners can find the best sports bra that will hopefully help them get out there and get involved with their running community. And Kelly, thank you so much for coming on We Got Goals today. Thank you for having me. This was such a fun talk. Beautiful. Well, we will talk to you soon. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or review while you're there, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Manu for our theme music. To our guest this week, Kelly Roberts. Thanks to Ryan Duffett for editing. And of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.